Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tea to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy, and welcome back. Thank you, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Beautiful sunny day. I'm excited. Uh, I was just telling you I'm going to be going to Pinehurst in a few weeks to play some golf, and uh, it's going to feel like being in a tournament. They got me booked four days in a row, and I haven't done something like that in a little while, so I'm a little bit nervous. And they got me starting out on, on number two, which is going to be, of course, a good test of golf. And uh, so, But I'm excited. I'm excited about going and uh, I'm going to go up there and do a little bit of stuff for golf tips, and, and uh, but mainly just have some fun. So I'm excited about that. And you're just back from Orlando. You did uh, another boot camp. Tell us quickly about that. Yeah, we had six people. We um, we start out in the morning. We hit balls. We chip. We putt. We pitch. We hit bunker shots. Then we have lunch. Then we play 18 holes. And nobody cried and nobody bled and everyone got better, which is great. <laughs> yeah, not even Alan. So, uh, hey, that was good. Yeah. Um, and you guys, uh, we were just talking about this too. I mean, you guys normally do in the uh, spring. And I know, as I mentioned to you, I was curious because I know you did one year, you did one in November. And you said you might consider doing that again at some point, uh, maybe doing a fall one as well, right? Or you're thinking about it? Yeah. Yeah just to get out of here when it starts to get cold. We're in yeah, Buffalo. I don't blame you. It's melted, so hopefully yeah. soon. <laughs> All right, we got a great show. All right, we got to cough. We got to stop. We can go on for hours. Uh, we got a great show for you this morning. We're going to be joined here in just a moment uh, by Kate Smith. Uh, she's uh, on the Epson tour, and she's uh, also a graphic designer, and we'll talk to her a little bit about her uh, design business ground under uh, repair. And... Um, then a little bit later on, you and I are going to enter into the no BS zone and talk about key concepts to breaking par. Everybody wants to, uh, you know, certainly shoot a better score, and there's some that want to actually even go a step further and actually break par. So we're going to talk about that as well. But let me introduce Kate, and then we'll bring her out. She's a professional golfer uh, entering her rookie year on the Epson Tour. Uh, as I mentioned, she's also a graphic designer for Ground Under Repair Design. Uh, raised in the Midwest, uh, she studied graphic design and played collegiate golf at the University of Nebraska. Uh, she decided to team up with Golf Channel's Shane Bacon to create ground under pair design and her popular golf logo redesign. So, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, uh, Kate Smith. 
Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Our ple- I want to be a graphic <laughs> designer. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's a little time consuming, just like golf, but uh, it must be what, I, what I'm into. What uh, what programs do you use? Do you draw them? Do you create them in Adobe? What do you do? Yeah, so uh, typically I draw on an iPad or on paper, and then I take them into like Adobe Illustrator. So using a lot of different programs um, that we kind of learned in college. That's awesome. That's I have an embroidery business, so I know a little bit about it, but I'm nowhere near talented with artistic talent so i envy you well the embroidery side is pretty cool too i've been trying to look into that as well it's uh it's how you get the cool logos on the hat so it's important it is it is and i have a two-headed barreton machine you can have for free if you want to come and get it (laughs) all right careful careful (laughs) what you offer it might show up at your doorstep that's all right you coming to the rochester tournament Yes, I am. All right. Bring Sorry. a big truck with you. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Go ahead, Ted. Awesome. Sorry. No, not a problem. Uh, yeah, I was, just about to, I was just about to say, Kate, you better bring a mighty big truck because uh, Cindy's probably not joking either. So um, okay. I'm sure she's willing to unload that. Uh, uh, so let me ask you something. Um, obviously, we've got we to throw a little golf in here because it is a golf show. So how do you um, – now, you you have an interesting background because your parents are instructors, correct? Correct. Yeah, my dad's a PJ professional, and then um, my mom's kind of the, the brains behind running all of our junior clinics. Isn't that always the way? The mom's always the brains behind <laughs> the organization. So, um, so what, what's interesting, is, and you have a brother, Carter. Uh, you both picked up the game, but he – he kind of really took it to another level very earlier, uh, obviously earlier than you did, uh, but you ultimately both uh, are, are now in, involved in golf. So what was sort of the um, introduction, if you will? Obviously, again, parents being involved in the golf business, that obviously gives you some exposure, but what was the deciding factor for you that said, you know what, hmm, this is uh, something I might like to try and uh, and then obviously eventually it evolved into you going to the University of Nebraska. So give us just a little bit of walkthrough and the history of how you got involved in golf. Yeah, um, so my dad was a PJ instructor in Connecticut at a private course, and then um, about three months after I was born, they bought a small par three golf course in northern Minnesota, Detroit Lakes. So I pretty much grew up, you know, running the till, and we mow the greens or cut cups, anything that needed to happen um, at the golf course, my brother and I. Um, so, you know, at times it was like hard work. You didn't really want to be um, golfing because <laughs> you were just out on the golf course doing something else. But my brother absolutely loved the game, and he's, um, you know, probably responsible for a lot of me being here today. Um, I think I enjoyed the challenge of it. Um, he kind of liked shaping shots, and, I mean, on a par three course, like, as a kid, your imagination can go wild, kind of, you know, we'd play par fours or par fives from one tee box to a different green. And I think I like Mm -hmm. the creativity behind it and how, you know, we could kind of figure out a new challenge to kind of learn every week or 
um, every year. So uh, I I was very fortunate in how I grew up that I had a golf course at my disposal. It was awesome. Yeah, a great uh, uh, training ground for you. What was the um, transition, though, for you to go from mom and dad making you work at the golf course and, as you say, running the till and doing other things to actually wanting to play, um, not just for fun, but actually where was the deciding, where was the point at, at your early development that you said, you know what, I think I'd really like to play at, at a competitive level? Yeah, I mean, I think um, growing up in Minnesota, like high school golf was really important, and we could play on our team at seventh grade, which I was 11. So I think at like eight or nine, you kind of playing in tournaments and kind of thinking like, hey, that's definitely something I want to do. And um, I think, yeah, I played in a few tournaments when I was eight or nine and realized, okay, I'm pretty good at this as well. So I think from there, it was just kind of a gradual um, you know, taking it a little bit more serious and having those talks with my parents about like, hey, okay, you got to, you know, maybe practice a little bit more because you signed up for a bigger tournament. So um, it right. was kind of a <laughs> slow transition into this is a little more serious now. So, And then at some point, um, even though you're from Minnesota, you then became – a collegiate player at University of Nebraska. How did that selection uh, to go to Nebraska come in? What was the, uh, the sort of the thought process there? Uh, was that somewhere that you were looking to go to, or it just sort of happenstance? Yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't have really the means to travel, like, around the country growing up for junior tournaments. So um, I found it really hard to get recruited outside um, the Midwest. So. I was kind of looking at the Big Ten Conference, and uh, Nebraska was the furthest south I could go. And um, I like the coaches. I like the atmosphere. And um, so I was, I was very lucky that they, they wanted me as well, and it turned out to be a great relationship. And I felt like um, it was like the perfect high school for, for me to be able to thrive. And um, I was really grateful for my time there. But, yeah, they're getting, you know, recruited is, is quite the process. And I uh, – I wish anybody luck who is still doing that. It's, uh, it's stressful. <laughs> well, I'm going to let Cindy take over from here in that camp because uh, she's a University of Miami alum. So, Cindy, go ahead. I know you probably have some questions about her collegiate career as well. Now, I want to know what's the best part of your game. Um, ball striking, uh, probably long irons has always kind of been my best Really? Part, I would say. What's wrong mm-hmm. with you? <laughs> <laughs> what What's your set makeup? Um, I've got TS one hundred irons, um, steel shafted. I can. I don't know if I can give you any more specs, but and then I got four wedges, uh, gap pitch, fifty four, uh, fifty eight, hybrid three wood driver. What are the what are the irons? What's the longest iron you have? Um, four irons. Those up to four irons. Okay. And stiff men stiff shafts. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Wow. Now, how do yeah, you balance doing your new logos and practicing and playing? Um, have you found it a challenge, or is it good to have something else to do? I I think 
the pros always weigh, outweigh the cons. Um, but it has been a tough balance, I think, starting on the Epson tour. Um, it's just professional golf is so much more of like an immersive career than um, like college golf. Like I think when you're a student athlete, you think you're the busiest you could be in your life. But then, um, you know, you go to tour and there's a lot of things to care of during the week, um, both in your golf game as well as some of the outside ropes events, you know, like junior clinics, pro-ams, stuff like that. So it's been a balance. I think um, the fortunate thing with is what I hope with the brand that we made with GR Design is that people know Shane and I have another job. So like my hope at the end of the day is like they come to us because we're very golf specific and we know golf, but um, you know, maybe we're not going to get you something overnight because <laughs> we're a little busy. So it's been good so far. <laughs> You're sitting in place. I like it. If you ever have any issues and need help, let me know because I'm very good at spinning plates. <laughs> right, Ted? Uh, yeah, you know, I was just going to say, I mean, I don't know how many more plates you can add. Uh, you're going to have to grow another arm or two because, uh, yeah, Cindy's the best at spinning plates, but uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming, but uh, I'm sure for her at times. But she does it very, very well. Um let me tell you. Yeah, and I think um, I mean, I'm sure, Cindy. You understand. You have opportunities, and you don't want to, you don't want to pass them up. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. That I have some really nice opportunities, and I, I'll I'll try to work hard to keep them keep them all going. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. So when we get done, I'm just gonna say, send me an email, Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. I just want to be okay. able to know that I could use you if I need you. Absolutely. Because I've got a lot of people looking for logos all the time. Great. Well, I appreciate the uh, the business. Yeah. Awesome. What? Go ahead, Ted. So let, let's back up a little bit. So you, you already mentioned Shane. Of course, we're talking about Shane Bacon from the Golf Channel. Um, how did you guys connect? How did this sort of venture come about? Yeah, um, kind of odd. We still haven't met in person, so hopefully, you know, sometime we will. Uh, we, uh, I was kind of a fan of the podcast he, he, he does, and um, he kind of mm-hmm. picked up on the logos that I did um, in college. I kind of started doing some golf-specific stuff on Twitter, and um, well, he kind of reached out over uh, Twitter and um yeah, we kind of just said, hey, let's make this a business. I didn't know that, you know, design and kind of consulting in that way was a passion of his. And um, I really lucked out because, um, you know, I couldn't do it on my own. And um, it's amazing between the two of us, the, the projects that we've gotten to work on or the, uh, the ideas we come up with, it's been it's been really fun. So I'm very fortunate. Well, very interesting. And just on a side note, just to show you how, um, interesting what you just said about not meeting. Um, Cindy and I, this is our ninth season doing this show, and it wasn't until season seven that she and I actually met for the first time uh, down at the oh, PGA wow. Merchandising Show in Orlando. So we have, we have something in common with you. We hadn't met either, and I'm sure at times Cindy probably wishes we never had, but hey, um, I said <laughs> you're, stu- you're, stuck with me. you're stuck with me now. So, um, But... You know, obviously with the advancements of technology and stuff, you're able to communicate so easily now and and collaborate and do things. And I know, obviously, at some point in the near future, you guys will meet face-to-face and get a chance to uh, 
you know, to, to expand things further. So I, I want to talk a little bit um, about your tour player as well, uh, because, you know, you're out there now. This is your rookie year. Have you been playing uh, in most of the events? That, I mean, there's only been a few, I think, what, three or maybe four uh, so far this season on the Epson um, have you been playing in all of the events? And if so, give us, <coughs> excuse me, sort of an overview of how you feel you've played so far. Yeah, so I got in um, the first four <coughs> events, which for rookies is um, pretty good. Sometimes those are kind of hard to get into early with the small fields. Um, so the first first tournament, um, unfortunately, I'm checkerboarding. I went made cut, missed cut, made cut, missed cut. So I need to... Uh, ride the ship out and uh, try to, you know, study my course a little bit. But um, so far, like, I've been pretty happy with, I mean, the two cuts I did make, I was, you know, uh, up there, um, I think it was T23 and T13. So, you know, I know that I can compete and I know that I have um, the stuff to do it. I think it's just, you know, we change grasses every week, you know, sometimes you change caddies every week and, uh, I need to kind of learn how to create that consistency for myself when maybe other factors are changing. But so far I've been happy with how it's gone. I think I need to take one week at a time and just um, try to see how much I can get better over the course of the year. Now you mentioned to Cindy that uh, your long game, particularly your long irons, uh, are a real strong part of your game. What do you think – uh, or what area of your game lets you down sometimes? What what are you having the most struggles with when you're out there? Um, I think um, I can be a streaky putter at times. Um, I don't really think that's what let me down the two events. I think kind of my course management or just kind of uh, my plan for the course. I don't think I, I had the right plans for the week. Um so I'd say, you know, my, my short game could have made up for that. So I would say, you know, between the short game and having a little bit better um, plan made in those practice rounds is going to help me um, later on. Do you find that because you have an extracurricular business, let's shall we say, we'll put it that way, um, that that's creeps in while you're out playing are you able to shut that off when you're out on the golf course completely and say okay i'm going to worry about the design business when i get home later or what have you um or do you find yourself thinking of golf designs when you're you know out there uh, meandering around the golf course uh do you in other words do you find it a, a distraction sometimes i wouldn't say during the tournaments i mean in college i was always like sketching on my yardage book so it kind of came as second nature like I had a lot of projects in at Nebraska I needed to you know make sure they were finished by the time I came home so I think it's been a positive I think um you know it, it can be a distraction I think early in the week when you know there's a decision of like okay do I you know spend that extra 30 minutes on the punny green or do I go call a client for 30 minutes so those are the choices that like I'm sure I'll continue to make, and um, I don't know, I probably, yeah, it's both fields, I probably don't know what I don't know right now, so um, right. I'm learning, you know, what what I need to know and um, how many hours I, I need to devote to each one, because professional golf is a lot about, um, at least what I can tell, it's, it's a lot about knowing when you need rest and 
Um, and we just came mm-hmm. off a three-week stretch. So I think in that way, I have a huge positive that, you know, I can kind of go um, back to the hotel and kind of rest for a few hours guilt-free because I'm doing another job, whereas I'm sure right. um, <laughs> my playing partners are like, oh, what are you going to do for three hours? And I was like, oh, I got I have plenty to do, you know, so right. it's a balance. Yeah, I can yeah, it can be both a good and and bad distraction. I mean, it's good in some ways. It's something you obviously are very passionate about and enjoy, uh, but it can also you know potentially uh, creep in. So it's it's going to be finding that balance. And this is your rookie year, so you're it's kind of a testing ground for you. I mean, you've been used to playing collegiate golf where you had uh, you know other players on your team to to rely on. Now it's just you, so it's it's kind of a you know you're dipping your toes in the water to say, okay, what do I need to do here? How do I adjust to the ske- travel schedule and so forth? Because uh, now it's all up to me, essentially. Um, now, obviously, I know some point down the road this may happen, but what happens, and I'm, and I'm sure it's doing very well now, um, you know, in the next year or two, let's say, if this, you know, tur- you know your graphic design business just turbocharges and goes crazy and, and everything's coming in, have you thought about, hey, um, I, I'd be willing to give up tournament play in order to, to do that? think I kind of um like talking with my family before I started professional golf I gave myself like a three-year plan and like that might change but um you know I'm kind of like gonna give it 110 percent for three years and see what happens I mean it's a a very expensive career like to raise enough money to stay out there it's really um tough and I um you know I have the opportunity to play right now so and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've already had a friend that I've brought in to start helping with the business because it, it has been, mm-hmm. I think, most of our calls between Shane and I are like, how did it get this big this fast? <laughs> so right. um, we are kind of actively doing that. But um, I think it's all, like, good problems to have. It is hard, though. Oh, yeah. The, you know, the pay for women is getting much, much better. But, um, you know, you make a cut and, like, you know, you might make a thousand dollars, and your expenses were more than that. Whereas mm-hmm. graphic design is so opposite, where I can sit in my uh, house and you know, there's no overhead. So it's, they're very two different uh, kind of scenarios. So um, we'll see where where it takes me. I'm I'm kind of glad that I can kind of play with the freedom that there's something else I could do afterwards. I think that's been helpful. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very good um, because you know a lot of the girls that go out on tour, you know that's their number one thing. That's what they're going to do. Um, and then you know when you ask them what you know at some point if you you know further down the road decide that you're not going to do this anymore, what are you going to do? And some obviously have taken uh, you know through their education have, have studied other things that they. Uh, are passionate about, but uh, you're you're going full bore with both at the same time, which is unusual. Uh, usually, it's I'm going to do this first, and then you know maybe I might gravitate to something else later on that I also enjoy. But I'm going to um, so it, it's definitely. But the nice thing is you do have a partner uh, in Shane to be able to help uh, shoulder some of that load as well. So it's not just you on your own. But um, very very interesting approach to things, and and uh, I think it's uh, great. Uh, Cindy, go ahead. Well, I think it's awesome that you're doing two things because I think it's good for your head to get away from the golf. And I think it's um, it's also a little cushion. And I think you should give it the full three years because you've already started out pretty well. 
and just, you know, see where it goes and have some fun doing it. Who gives a rip? It's up to you. Thank not you. I agree. Else. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what the hell? I mean, you're going to be better off than the rest of them because they're going to be playing with clenched butt cheeks hoping to make money, and you've got a check coming in on the side. Yeah. That's my thoughts exactly. <laughs> yeah. Golf, we're we're thinking of reading. Enough, yeah. Before you put, yeah, before you put uh, financial stress on it, so. Right? Yeah, by the, by, yeah. By the way, welcome to the Give It a Rip uh, podcast. <laughs> Change the name, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think we might, I think, AK, yeah, Women of Golf, AKA Give It a Rip podcast. Um, no, I think it's great, Cindy, and, and you're, you're exactly right uh, in your analogy, because I think it's good to have that cushion, especially, you know, Kate, as you mentioned, it's very, you know, it can be very challenging unless you have, um, you know, deep pockets to, to be able to afford, um, you know, out on tour. So to have that money coming in and also have something that you enjoy that can be a distraction, um, you know, from the, you know, because as you get more and more tournaments, excuse me, through this year uh, under your belt, there's going to come a point in time when you're going to want to have a little bit of a respite from it. So it's nice that you have something to say, hey, you know, I'm going to spend on those weeks off, I'm going to spend some time really uh, helping this to, uh, you know, to, to build and, and continue to grow. So I think that's fantastic. Um, Cindy, any, any other, yeah, any other comments or questions you have? No, nope. have fun. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate I, it. I agree. Good luck in both uh, your, your tournaments uh, coming up. And when's your next event? Uh, I leave on Sunday. We go to Utah um, in St. George, Utah. We're going. Very good. Well, good luck in that upcoming event and much continued success in the uh, graphic design business as well. Um, keep it going. Thank you. It was fun chatting with you guys this morning. Take care. Uh, all right. Bye-bye. Thanks again for your time. Bye-bye. Right. Yeah, I think she. we got another Cindy Miller in the making uh, spinning those plates. She's going to I, I agree with you, Cindy. I think it's good, um, you know, to have other things that are of interest. I think it's it's probably very difficult um, for some out there that, and for some, I'm sure it's not, depending on what their priorities are. But I think you have to have a distraction, even from tournament play, because it 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 wears on you. I mean, think of how many girls we've had on the show over the years that have said to us that there came a point in time where they just wanted to quit because that's all they thought about, and they were worried about making cuts, they were worried about trying to win, and they had nothing else really to distract them. So this gives her something that obviously she's very passionate about, seems to be doing very well, and you've done things outside of your uh, playing and teaching career as well, so I think you can uh, relate to what she's going through. Yep. For sure, for sure. All right. Yep. Um, All right, we're going to take a real short break, and then we're going to enter the no BS zone and give you some concepts to breaking par. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget. 
and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. And Cindy and I are now going to enter the no BS zone. And we're going to talk about key concepts, Cindy, to breaking par. And the first one is, I think, strategizing off the tee. Um, I think conceptually, I think you want to be able to hit a shot you feel 100% confident on rather than just picking up whatever club it is that you normally tee off, whether it's your driver or some other club, depending on your level. Uh, you may scale back to a three-wood or even a hybrid. Um, and ideally, you want to set yourself up uh, to give yourself a, a, a good approach shot into the green. Um, what do you try to do? And, and when you're working with, with students, Cindy, how do you help them understand the importance of that tee shot? What's some of the conversation you might have with them? Well, that tee shot's going to help you set up for the whole the whole hole. So it's really important that you know what you're doing, right? And mm-hmm. that you understand that this is going to help you figure out where uh, you want your second shot to come in from and how I'm going to play the hole. And let's say it's, you know, 380-yard par four, and there's water out there at 200 yards, and you hit your driver 200 yards, well, you would never hit <clears throat> driver to tee off, right? You would hit right. something else to tee off. So needless to say, it's really important that you know what you're doing and that you start the hole the right way. What do you tell right. your students? Well, the thing that I always like, I agree 100% with what you just said. I think what I try to do with, with some of mine is I want them to really look at everything about the hole. I mean, I don't want them to, and this is something that we do before we even get out in the golf course, is I want them to look at it because, as you said, there's a lot of, there might be water and so forth. You know, the thing I always hear students say is, well, I just want to be able to hit it down the middle of the fairway. Well, maybe this particular hole, you don't want it down the middle of the fairway. Maybe you want it over on the right side of the fairway to give you a better angle of attack. Because if you've got water to, um, involved, if you hit in the middle of the fairway, you might now have to carry some of that water. Whereas if you get over to the right or to the left, depending on the shape of the hole, you're going to be in a better position that it takes some of those challenges, whether it be water or maybe even bunkers, uh, out of play. So I try to get them to think about it. And, you know, we've often heard over the years, Cindy, people talk about, well, target golf, you know, fine. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth. Um, is you want to pick a target that's going to give you and set you up for your next shot. So you don't want to just, it's not just this shot, even though you're Absolutely. focusing on this shot, it, it's right? You want to set you And it's not right. slugging away. And I think that right. most people just want to whack away. Um, yep. And they have to stop and yep. think about where am I putting the ball and can I play the next shot from there? So typically, the person that thinks their way through a round of golf is always going to score better than someone who's just whacking away. Yeah, and this is Make why sense? certain. Yeah, exactly, and this is why certain players, like a, like a Nicholas, like a you know uh, Tiger Woods, um, you know, were so successful. Um, and I'm obviously just dealing with the men for the moment, but um, they strategized. They didn't just get up there and just because they could hit it a mile and and, uh, you know, put a fade on it or a draw on it, what have you, um, they thought about where they needed to place the ball to give them the best chance. And what was interesting, um, more so about Nicholas, was as we all have this same problem, is certain holes don't fit well with your eye. 
Well, he would still strategize that hole. He would be happy to get away with a par. And if he got a birdie, that was great. But he knew that that hole did not fit the eye of the shot that he normally, which was always uh, a fade. So what he would do is he would pick a target off the tee that would give him the best opportunity. And he was thinking really a lot of times he was thinking par at that time because he didn't want to mess up. He knew that those holes would mess him up. So it's very, very important. It's not just as you said, even if you've got a wide open fairway, um, you know, it's great that you get out there and you're in the fairway. That's better than being in the rough or in the woods. But you want to think about where do you want to place your tee shot. And um, obviously the more skilled players have an easier time doing that than less skilled. So those are things that you have to work on. It's not just about, like you said, getting up there and, and whacking it out there. You want to think about where you want to place it. Um, the other thing, number two, I want to move on to, because I know we're, we're going to be pressed for time today, um, is dealing with bad shots and disappointments. We know we can do better, and we, uh, you know, so we get uh, sometimes so frustrated with ourselves that we, can let, uh, we can't let it go. And that can spoil a few holes. We've talked about this before. Um, again, maybe give us an idea. You had a group down at your boot camp at uh, Orange County National this week, and obviously you, in addition to some uh, uh, teaching uh, that you and Alan both did, you get out in the golf course. Talk about, uh, I'm sure there were some bad shots to be had out there. Um, what were some of the, the things that you said to them or helped them to sort of get past that? We talk about dragging the luggage to the airport all the time. Um, and bringing that, those bad shots with you. What were some things or suggestions that you guys have given your students at some of these boot camps to sort of overcome that or help to overcome that? Well, it's really important that, number one, you know what you're doing, that you have a process, so you have to create your own personal process. And that, what's that mean? When you get ready to hit a shot, okay, where am I going? Inspect your options. What's this hole? Where should I hit it? What's my smartest play from this location? And, again, most people don't break 100, let alone right. par. So let's pretend yeah. you're trying 50. to break 90. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say 50% at least can't break 100. Right. So what's your process? Do you step back and think before you just grab your driver and whack away? And then let's go deeper how do you line up? Do you walk in with your right hand on? Do you walk in with two hands on? Do you walk in with your left hand on? How do you know that you're aimed correctly with the club face? Can you check your alignment? How do you know you're ready to swing? Once you get set up, do you know what you're thinking while you're standing over the ball, right? So you've got to think something, you know, very simple while you're swinging. You don't just swing and not think at all. So I'm a visual learner. I pretend I'm spiked to a pole mm-hmm. and I've got to stay really still and then it's swing, hinge, kill because I'm a visual auditory. So the more you know about you, the more you can create a process and then a pre-shot routine, and then you can produce a golf shot. So we instill in our students that if you don't do that, then you have no idea why you missed it. If you do have a process and a pre-shot routine, you'll be aware of what didn't happen when you didn't hit it good. So mm-hmm. if you listen to interviews after tournaments, needless to say, or during a tournament, and the announcer or the reporter asks the player, you know, what happened, well, I wasn't sure, and the wind came up, and, I mean, there's always a reason why they missed it. <laughs> right. And, again, right. and most times it's I wasn't committed to my shot. 
So there's mm-hmm. always a why, and if you understand you and you go deeper, then you can figure out what just happened, and then you can fix it, and then you won't miss shots all day long. Otherwise, you're just going to keep doing the same mistake over and over, and we all know right. that that means you're insane. <laughs> right. <laughs> That must be my problem. Um, you know, so <laughs> you're right. That, that next shot is it, you have to treat it as though it's a moment in history. So you want to make it count. And, you know, so focusing purely on the execution of the next shot. So the next shot that you have, and I don't mean a shot down the road. I mean the very next one, the one that you're currently uh, facing with, um, you'll automatically forget the previous, uh, whether it was good or bad. So you want to make sure you do that. And then the next thing you want to do, Cindy, is – is commit 100% and nothing less. If you're not 100% committed to a shot, I believe you're done. Uh, now, obviously, you can recover and there's things that you can do, um, but if you get over a shot and you're not 100%, if you're thinking, well, is this a five iron or maybe I need to hit my six iron or maybe even my seven and you're, you're milling around trying to figure out what to do or do I need to keep it low and you've got 20 things going through your mind and when you're standing over that ball, if you're not 100% confident that you've made the right choice, I believe you're already well on your way, probably 99.9% that it's going to fail, that it's not going to accomplish what the goal that you set out to do for that particular shot. Do you agree? I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, and and that's the point. It's all about personal accountability and responsibility. And if you really love mm-hmm. playing, the more you learn about you, the better you can play. Mm-hmm. And that's what needs to happen. Yep. I like this one, next one here, and that is put yourself in position to hit your shots. Uh, and let me just explain because I think this is really interesting. So you've got your shots that you can hit. So in other words, there are certain shots. I'm going to give you just a couple of examples of that. But now you need to hit those shots in a way that sets up good situations uh, to actually hit them. So for an example, you know, you can hit your hybrid with a draw. So that's a, that's a good tool to have in your bag. Um, maybe you hit your driver with a fade, so you know that you're going to fade your driver, so that sets you up a certain way as well. Uh, you're able to hit your irons pretty high, so that allows you to land uh, softly. But on the opposite side, maybe you have some issues with your wedge shots, and 110 to 115 yard distance might give you some problems. So essentially what that means is you want to avoid situations around the greens where you know you're going to be short-sided. So in other words, uh, and in and, and general, if, if you know off the tee that you typically hit a fade with your driver, um, then you want to set up appropriately. Um, same thing with, you know, if, if it's a shorter hole and maybe the driver's not the best choice and you know you typically hit a draw uh, with a hybrid or, you know, maybe your three-wood or what have you, whatever you've got in your bag for your, your longer shots, um, then you want to set up appropriately for that. Um, so knowing what you can do, the, your abilities with certain clubs or certain shots is a very valuable information because now you can go out and you can say, okay, when you get into a situation that one of those fits into, you know you can get step up with confidence. I know I can hit my, uh, my driver that way. I know I struggle with certain yardages with my wedges, so I want to make sure that I don't put myself in a position. What are your thoughts here? Absolutely. Again, that comes down to planning. You know, you have to know exactly what you're doing, and you have to know that um, you understand that you're able to hit that shot. So if you really stopped and thought about what you were doing and where you play, if you play at a normal, your home course all the time, 
and there's certain mm-hmm. holes that drive you crazy, again, if you play the right keys and you can hit the ball 150 yards, you should be able to break 90 every time you play. And, yep. and if you don't, you know, once you do your stats, I've got uh, my students are on shot by shot, and I went over with the owner of the company last night, one of our players, and he said, well, here, it shows you right here that if he works on his putting, he's going to get his handicap down three shots. Well, there you go. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. if, and if you don't know what you're doing, reach out to me because I'll help you, you know. Uh, again, yep. it's just really important that you do that. Yeah, you know, I, I the thing that always disturbs me when, I, when I'm when i working with, with students, especially I work with a, a lot of corporate students and particularly males, and, you know, they, they, they get that ego in there. And, well, I just want to hit it farther and do that. And I say, listen, you're not scoring. You know, you're hitting it further, but you're not scoring because you're focusing on one aspect of your game. And, yeah, and if that's all you want, if you don't care about your score and you just want to be able to beat it a mile so you can outdrive your buddies, uh, you know, the next time you're playing – if that's all you want to do, great, but you're not going to become a better player. You know, distances can be a friend, but it can also be a foe as well because you can hit it a long way, but if you don't, as we talked about already, if you don't know how to put the pieces of the puzzle together uh, in the right order, yeah, you might bomb it a mile, but you might bomb it at a mile in the wrong, wrong spot. Now suddenly you're faced with uh, a really tricky situation to maybe go over uh, a large bunker or maybe you have to hit it over a small pond or what have you, uh, and that's now maybe a daunting task for you. Uh, or maybe there's water behind the green, uh, which makes it even worse because now you've got to be careful you don't fly it over or you don't hit on the back end of the green and it rolls off and into that, that pond or lake or what have you. So it's great that you can hit it a long ways, but if you're not able to execute other shots uh, or other parts of your game, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. And that's what so many golfers, uh, and again, I'm going to stick with, with the guys here for a second, that's what a lot of guys suffer from, is they see these tour players that, you know, they're 350 yards off the tee. Um, I'd rather hit 250 off the tee and be able to put it wherever I want on the golf course than be able to hit it 350 yards and be spraying it all over. I think that, to me makes more sense but for some reason it's you know like you said earlier the definition of insanity is doing the same thing uh, over and over again and expecting a different result um this one here cindy i'm gonna if you want to comment on that or i think you pretty much agree with that would you not which one the the last one what i was just talking about with um with um, absolutely you know putting absolutely. putting yourself in that position yeah absolutely um this this one here, Cindy, is one that you've actually talked about, I think it was a few weeks ago, and that was there were two sort of imaginary boxes, the think box and the play box. Do you remember that? Yeah. Maybe you could give us a little bit for, for those that maybe didn't tune into that particular show, what we're talking about here, what we mean by a think and a play box. Well, it's really important that you stand behind it, which we just discussed a few minutes ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's say it's the second shot into the green, and you can't reach the green, and there's a bunker in front. Maybe the bunker is just you you can't carry it over to get onto the green. So you lay up, and then you chip it up. Again, if you're on every green in one over regulation, which means on a par three you're on in, in two instead of one, Par four, you're on the green in three instead of two. 
and a par five, you're on in four instead of three, and you two-putt every hole, you just shot 90. So you absolutely yep. have to know what you're doing and how to play your best golf. And, and again, people come in and they say, well, i got to hit my driver further. I said, well, what do you shoot? Well, I don't know, like 60 for nine holes. And I'm like, um, it's not your driver line. You know, again, they don't know how to evaluate their rounds. And that's what we have to help them with because they don't mean to be ignorant, if you will, right? They're mm-hmm. not trying to be ignorant, but they've got to know what they're doing. Yeah, and I don't and, think and that they do. Comes, yeah, and that comes with experience. I mean, we've, we've talked about that. Even Kate sort of referred to that. You know, this is her rookie year. Uh, you know, she's going to get out there and she's going to play – uh, and, and gain experience. And even though she's probably a very accomplished player, she wouldn't have gotten to where she is if she wasn't. But there's still an experience factor. As she plays more tournaments, as she learns from mistakes that she makes, as she uh, you know, is able to step up and repeat the good things more and more again, then her scores are going to improve. Her confidence is going to build. So there's so many factors that come into play um, with that experience. I mean, you can be the best ball striker in the world, I don't care who you are, but never win a golf tournament because you don't know how to put it all together and you don't have experience. Um, it's the same thing with, with any other job out there. I mean, you might have a lot of uh, practical uh, knowledge from books and so forth, but if you haven't actually put it into uh, to practice and actually gone out and done the job, um, it doesn't always add up. And sometimes it's actually confusing because you think, well, wait a minute, the book doesn't say this, the book says that. Well, sometimes you have to improvise. And I think that that's where a lot of people... Uh, but, you know, the think and play box are very interesting because, again, there's, there's a box that you're in, you want to think about, what do I need to do here? Then you step into the play box when you're standing beside the ball and you're ready to hit. And those two are separated by an imaginary decision line. So you want to decide. So once you've thought about it, now you need to make a decision, and then you want to step into the play box, and you want to execute based on the decision you made, and you want to do that, as we said earlier, with confidence. The next one, obviously, I think uh, is pretty standard. You already mentioned it was the post-shot routine. Uh, or actually, you talked about the pre-shot. This is the post-shot. Excuse me. So after your shot, Cindy, I think it's important to react in a way that will let you continue playing well. So instead of getting angry and overly emotional, um, you need to aim at reacting neutrally and or positively only to shot. So if you hit a good shot, enjoy the moment and remember the feeling for the next one. Um, and if you've had a bad shot, it's okay to have a short burst of energy and, you know, uh, you certainly don't want to be whipping your clubs around, but um, you, how you react is going to dictate how you continue. So if you allow that anger to fester or, or disappointment because you didn't execute the shot the way you wanted to, uh, then that's going to carry over into the next shot. Agree? Agree. Agree, agree, agree. Totally true. Yep. Last Again, one, you know, let's I, learn to hit the ball. Let's learn mm-hmm. to hit the ball. And then let's learn to hit the ball where we want it to go. And yep. then we can do it that's on a, purpose. That's exactly right. And the last one, I think, is probably, in my opinion, one of the most important. And that is control the things you can control and forget the rest. So, um, you know, have you played golf? you know, with the guy that swears, and we just talked about this in a way, swears, shouts, and causes uh, curses all the time, you know, working himself up into a frenzy because he just, um, you know, played some terrible shots or he's break, breaking his clubs. Uh, or, as you pointed out a few moments ago, blames, uh, you know, 
you've played with somebody who blames literally everything except for his game, uh, you know, himself, the weather, slow players, the grass, the water, you know, staying in the bunkers, uh, you know, uh, even political situations. You know, does that sound like you? I mean, is that, you know, you cannot control what you can't control. So, you know, if you're set up and you're, as an example, Cindy, and you're, you're set up and you're, you've, you've got a, an open fairway and maybe you need to just get it out there, it's not really, whether it's in the center or a little bit left or right, it's not going to make a big difference, and you're all excited, and then all of a sudden you hit that tee shot and a big 20-mile-an-hour gust of wind puffs up and blows it off into the rough or blows it into the woods or what have you. Um, you can't control that. So accept it. If it's a lost ball, then depending on the situation, you can either your buddies might give you a mulligan and let you do it over, or you hit another club and and take your lumps and move on. But touch maybe a little bit on that. I mean, you you have to be able to recognize that some things are beyond your control and just accept it and move on. What do you think? Well, again, it's you, the ball, the club, and the course. And if you stop and think about that, everyone, the ball tries to win. The ball is your enemy. It sits Mm -hmm. there looking at you saying, try to hit me, I dare you. And then you try to kill it, and it's not even moving. So if you stop and and walk back for a second and reflect and say, okay, where am I trying to hit this? What do I want to do? Where do I want the ball to go? What's my smartest play? And what club should I use to do that? And what am I doing? I tell my students, you're you're holding the tool that's going to tell the ball where to go. So your Mm -hmm. responsibility is to understand what to do with the tool and where you want the ball to go so that you know how to swing the tool to make the ball go where where you want it to go. Once it hits the ground, you have no control at all. Right. So you're absolutely right. right. Yep. And and just a real, real quick key cap, uh, uh, recap, excuse me, you know, and, and this, as you mentioned earlier, is uh, you know we, we've sort of labeled this key concepts to breaking par, but this can really be any anybody's game. Um, but you want to be smart off the tee, number one. Um, number two is you want to be able to deal with bad shots and disappointment. Do them in a, in the right way. Don't allow them to get in there and fester and and ruin what you know is is could be a, a great a great round. You have you start off a bad hole or two. Let it go. You've got 16 more to play. Um, otherwise, you know, what could be a great day is going to end up being a bad day, and then you're going to be, you know, even twice as angry when you get home. Um, treat every shot in its moment uh, and in history and make it count. Be 100% committal and nothing less. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Um, take advantage of your skill set. If there are certain areas of your game that you're skilled in, put yourself in position uh, to hit those shots, um, use the think and play box. Make sure you think about what you want to do for first. Then, when you get in, make the decision. Get in and get into your play box and actually execute. Don't forget, pre-shot routine is important, but so is post-shot routine. And then, lastly, control the things that you can control, and don't worry about this stuff that you can't control because there's nothing you can do to change that. And I think if you do that, regardless of whatever. Uh, level you play at, Cindy, I think you're well on your way to improving and being successful. And always remember to step out, uh, sorry, reach out to your uh, local golf professional. 
uh, and if you're not currently taking lessons, get them to help you with your game. Uh, it's well worth the money. It's worth the investment. Um, they'll help you put together a strategy not only of how to play better out in the golf course, but how to prepare uh, in your practice sessions to make it better. There's nothing worse than, Cindy, and you and I would agree with this, that seeing people going out in the golf course and just slapping the ball around and going out in the driving range and doing the same thing because they don't know what to do. So prepare, prepare, prepare. And I think that's a good way to end the show, don't you? I agree. I All right. agree. Special. Welcome back, Cindy. Glad to have you back. I'm glad you had a good time in Orlando. And special thanks once again to our guest, Kate Smith. Uh, much continued success on tour and your graphic design business. And on that note, and on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Rodrigo. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week here on The Women of Golf. God bless. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.